If you are an HR professional, business owner, or at the operations level trying to understand what people want, you may be struggling. Our systems have been shocked, practices have been questioned, and culture is the leading conversation. Let's learn how culture is created, sustained, and why it should be the leading conversation when discussing hiring, training, and retention. This is the foundation of any business, and it's time to address it. So tune in to Let's Talk HR, humanizing the conversation. We tackle topics that influencers of change need to understand and struggle to overcome every day, such as where to start and what the new workforce wants and how to attract and keep positive momentum going. I'm your host, Leanne Lovely. Claudia Miller is a sought-after career coach for women in tech and she helps her clients land fulfilling jobs at a senior level. She also partners with companies and organizations in identifying rising stars within their organization and providing strategic insight and support in developing a leadership and talent pipeline with a focus on women and women of color. Due to her efforts, she worked with top Fortune 500 clients and partnered World Business Chicago in developing a workforce development strategy in coordination with the City of Chicago's efforts in decreasing unemployment rates for persons of color. She's also the creator and host of Roadmap to the Executive Suite podcast. Due to her client success, she's been featured multiple times in Forbes, MSNBC, Thrive Global, and Business Insider put her in their top global list of top innovative career coaches. This is going to be an awesome conversation today and I look forward to it. Claudia, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here, Leanne, especially with some of the topics we'll be discussing today. Yeah. So why don't we jump right in and, you know, why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself? I am a career coach for women in tech, and I help my clients land fulfilling jobs. And since COVID, I've been able to help clients get jobs within 90 days or less. And on average, my clients get a 56% in salary increases. So not only do I work with women, but I also work with organizations and companies that are looking to develop their leadership and talent pipeline, and primarily with more women and women of color in senior leadership roles. That's amazing. And, you know... Obviously, with the onset of the pandemic, things have, you know, really affected women, especially women of color. Um, so it's it's such a, an amazing thing that you're doing. Have you always, you know, had a pull towards, you know, the kind of that coaching aspect, kind of that, have, has it always been a, you know, kind of a path that you've wanted to go on or, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Definitely around the mentorship. I wouldn't say necessarily coaching because... One, I didn't really know about coaching until later in life, but I just called it mentorship and helping people out. And I tend to be very resourceful. So when I don't know anything, I'll just say, let me find out. And then somehow I get, you know, the solution or various solutions of and see, hey, let's test out to see what works. And, you know, you mentioned you were struggling with A, B, and C. Here's some ideas that I have. You know, why don't we test them out and see how that works? Later, then I realized, well, that's a form of coaching and kind of once I knew about it and I started mentoring people and coaching them, then that's where the birth of my company started from of 
more on the coaching aspect in relation to careers and leadership roles. That's awesome. That's amazing. And you're right. You know, coaching, what it, it really became the the boom of coaching. I guess I've seen more and more of that popping up over the last couple of really like what like the last five years and just in extreme popping up as more and more people have kind of gone out on their own and figured out that there is a definite need you know in the world not only for individual coaching but also for going into organizations and you know coaching on a large scale of hey where where is that need is there you know specific department needs is there coaching of of actual managers because what and and I throw these statistics out all the time but how many managers go into management positions and don't actually have any training, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So you mentioned, you know, obviously the women of color, women being, you know, some of these, these individuals who are kind of have historically been, I guess, overlooked. And mm -hmm. now with the onset of the pandemic, um, unfortunately women over men um, kind of a large a larger number of those during the pandemic dropped out of the labor market, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what statistically speaking, um, or I should say not statistically speaking, but when you run down all of the reasons, there's valid reasons as to why so many women dropped out. Um, you know, a lot of the, the homemaking duties fell on, on some of the women um, and then when you really dive into those numbers, it disproportionately hit women of color mm -hmm. most. So I, I guess, how has that really changed, you know, your business and how you are helping these women level back up or, you know, cause some of them were struggling to even go back into the job market at what they were making prior to the pandemic. So you know, yes. I'd love to hear your input on that. Yeah, and you kind of touched on a few things. So one of the things that I've noticed, definitely women and women of color have been the biggest population that has in, been impacted with COVID when it comes to the workforce. Mm -hmm. um, and because of those responsibilities, I mean, the working from home plus kids online learning. I mean, I can't even imagine having a toddler and having them sit down in front of a you know, laptop while you're still working and managing the rest of the housework. So it definitely fell upon women and they've been the mostly impacted. But from what I've seen and how I've seen the change since COVID, especially when it comes to my clients, is they've kind of had that pivotal moment where they realize that their job could be done from home mm -hmm. or they're looking for more of that fulfillment. They're starting to realize, you know, without the hustle and bustle of commuting and picking up the kids, they finally had some time to realize that they can do their work successfully while working from home and still take care of some of the house things that you know we tend to do like oh i'm doing laundry while i'm getting on a meeting and i may be having some food in the crock pot for later for dinner today and i'm still performing at the level i was already doing at the office or even more at this point mm -hmm. so there definitely came that reflection moment of them realizing you know what i want more of a fulfilling job i want to be challenged and I want to be an organization that values me, but also my priorities. And my philosophy is, you know, we work, but they are some non-negotiables, like family. Like family is that, for me, at least, is that's a non-negotiable. 
So if I can do the job successfully and there's no need for me to go into the office, why do I need to go into the office? And it allows me to be flexible with my family. So it's really having that understanding from them and saying, you know what, um, I'm ready for the next step in my career. I'm looking for that fulfillment while still having that flexibility where the output and the work will still be there or even higher levels because I'm able to be more productive with it. And that's where a lot of my clients now are coming to say, hey, I've been at this company for so long. They're asking us to work from, go back into the office and there's no need for me to go into this. I've been doing this job successfully for two years. And you know what? I have been passed up already for promotions multiple times and I've come to realize that I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for something new. That's awesome. And, and I have, I've heard that story, you know, uh, my day job, I'm, you know, I'm in the recruiting, I'm in the hiring, I'm in the, uh, so I'm in the thick of it on a, on a daily basis. And, and you're right. It, it's one, why are they being passed up? Two, if we are, we are capable, the world has, has now shown us that we are capable of doing work at home and yeah right now I have you know I have my child upstairs I'm fortunate enough to actually have my husband upstairs with her so she's not running down here to to, you know hey mommy hey mommy and she's four um but we have shown that that we're capable of working from home men and women alike uh, are you know very much capable of of working from home now, so here's here's a question that I pose. You're you're working with these individuals, but on the company side, because you also go in and you've done work with, I mean, top Fortune, five hundred clients and and companies, and you know, so when these organizations come to you and say, "Yep, we think that we want to bring them back into the office," or we, what is the advice that you're giving to those organizations what is the you know the reaction or the conversation you sit down and say well wait a second great question so when usually companies you know i work with them they'll say well how can we move more women into leadership roles what do we need to do to retain our top employees and how can we attract that top talent um, so that way they not only want to work here but they stay here um, so one of the things I look into is, well, let's, is this an inclusive environment that we currently have for top talent that you're looking to attract and retain? Cause there's a difference and they're both costly. <laughs> so if you're, I mean, it, and you probably know from HR perspective, it costs this amount of money to try to hire someone and it's even more cost effective to retain them than to always hire and fill in that position over and over again. Mm-hmm. So then it's doing like an audit and assessment. Do we have, environment right now that allows women and just overall top talent to thrive in because if you're asking them to come into the office why is that now i understand there's some roles and responsibilities you do need people to come into the office if you're at a front desk office and you need someone to check in or whatever that is there are professionals that are needed for someone to be there physically now is this really needed and if it's no it's not needed then why do we have now we can offer that flexibility. I also have clients where they're like, hey, I need to leave the house. I cannot be there 
I need to go. I'm an extrovert. I want to be around people. And sometimes I cannot get things done at my home because my husband and my kids are all there. I need to go somewhere else to just kind of have a separate both work and business. Now, we want to offer that flexibility, but that's not everyone. Now, if a job doesn't require for someone to be there, let's really look into the assessment. Is this because you don't trust your employees? Then the question doesn't become, should they come in? It's why don't we trust the employees? Mm-hmm. Is it because systems related? And if it's a systems and processes related, let's look into that. Is it because you have not hired, maybe their team is very green and very entry level. Okay, well then how can we create this conducive environment for them? And maybe we need to do training beforehand before they even start their job. Mm -hmm. So there are other factors to look into to then just saying, well, we need them to be in the office. Well, if you just need to be in the office because you want them in the office, then it becomes a different question. Then your priority is not to attract and retain top talent and make it easy for them to do and deliver the work at the level you want them to. Right. Sometimes it's just a mindset and it's mm-hmm. it, it becomes, well, you just want them in the office because that's what you've only ever known and you're not willing to change with the times, which means you're, you're never going to be able to have the young, beautiful, amazing talent that is coming into the workforce because unfortunately this is the new workforce that is coming up this is because that's that's what they are coming up in this is this is the new and and i hate to say it you know i people hate this this is the new normal mm-hmm. i mean this is now normal it, it's it's it... yeah and even like i have clients and most of my clients are already managers directors senior directors so they're between like late thirties, but usually they're in their forties and fifties. They're like, I've been working from home already from this previous company. And now I'm looking to go into another company and they're asking me to go into the office. There's no way I'm doing that. Or two, I've always worked into the office and now I've had a taste of the work from home lifestyle and I'm not going back. There's no turning right. back. All the work that I do can be done remotely. And I want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it opens up other aspects of it, but even like, it's not just even like the new generation, it's just overall well-being. And everyone, like I said, is in a different point in their time in their life. And again, is, are they able to fulfill that job successfully, you know, while working from home? If so, yes, then it, it also opens up a higher talent pool. We don't just have to hire within our, you know, area or zip code. Now we can open up to other parts in the U.S. and be able to attract that top talent that otherwise wouldn't be capable of. And now we have access to that. Plus it saves on personal expenses and right. <laughs> operating expenses as well. Well, and, and I, you had mentioned, I'm, it's, you know, I'm an extrovert. I, I love the ability to work from home, but there are days where I'm working from home and I'm like, you know what? I really just, I'm going to go into the office. So mm-hmm. I'll work from home in the morning and then I'll, I'll, finish out my day in the office because I'm just going stir crazy in my, my little (laughs) lower level, you know, office. And I'm like, and, and usually those are the days when my daughter's in school, my husband's at work and I'm sitting here with my crazy dog who's driving me crazy, (laughs) who's literally driving me crazy. I'm like, I'm going into the office. Like it's too quiet. (laughs) But there are people, and one mm-hmm. of my best friend is is one of them. She's she's an accountant, and she's like, "Oh my god, it, I hate going into the office." Like, she goes, "I can do everything I need to do, quiet, 
no disturbing, you know, no disturbing, nobody coming up saying, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? She's like, it just, it stops me from doing my work. I get distracted. I, she's like, I can get so much more done. And there is definitely a mix of that. And, and, and as a recruiter, I've, I've talked to some candidates who are like, I will absolutely positively only work remote. And I'm like, okay, I, I'll, I'll see what I can do, but there is a predominant number of companies out there that are still nope they have to at least come into the office two days a week like we just we want that camaraderie we want to be able to physically be in the same room with each other two days a week but there are people out there that are 100 percent remote so Mm -hmm. you know there's definitely a mix now you work with obviously women women of color and and this and i absolutely am intrigued by this topic because speaking with DEI experts, speaking with, um, it goes, it's so much deeper than just, Hey, we are, we're a company that's diverse. Um, and this is something that I think a lot of companies, a lot of individuals, not just company individuals who have this conversation, they don't understand what it means to have a true, true diversity and inclusive environment and what that means to the healthiness to the the benefits of being diverse at every level of an organization not just saying oh we're a manufacturing company and every you know we have everybody you know all races and ages and colors and on the manufacturing floor but everybody in the c-suite are white men mm-hmm. that really it doesn't it, that really has no impact you know truly on the company and so I would love to talk to you a little bit about you know how that impacts and why that's so important to work with women and I'll leave it at that yes. <laughs> I, I love that you brought that, Leanne, because yes, I mean, and even uh, there's a report by McKenzie called Women in the Workplace, and the most recent one is from last year, 2021, and it shows that men and women both are hired at the same rates. Now, for every 100 men that get promoted, 86 women get promoted, and as we move up the career ladder, it creates a discrepancy, and it almost leads, leads to a 75% drop in women in leadership roles. So... Same thing, like you mentioned, on the manufacturing floor or entry-level positions, we may see that, oh, yeah, we're, we're very we're diverse. We have, look at our employee pool. But when you look at senior leadership roles, it tells a different story. Mm-hmm. And overall, not only because it's ethical and moral and you want to have that diversity, but also the bottom line is it's, it's good for business. Mm-hmm. I was reading a stat that for companies that have, they need to have at least 30% women in leadership roles. But when you hit that mark, it increases 10 or 30% of revenue to your bottom line. So it is not only, like I said, important to be able to have that. And also it, it stems and creates more innovation because we have different points of views. It allows companies to create different products, um, different services, offerings, different segmentations for companies or clients you want to attract. And it can just overall increase revenue overall. But, you know, those are the things that they need to be taken into account when it comes to that. So it's really creating a system that allows for women, women of color, diverse talent to be able to thrive in. 
but also giving and empowering the employees to be able to do so as well. So I do think that one, as employees, we do have a responsibility to also advocate for ourselves, but we also need a company and a system that allows us to thrive in, that can set us up for success if we're willing to do the work. And usually there's a mixed, or there's a, there's a part missing, either the employee doesn't know how to advocate for themselves, toot their own horn and position themselves to start developing that executive presence. But I've also seen from companies where they've created systems that doesn't allow them to continue to be able to thrive in. And they're always like a good example is they're always hiring externally, but never looking internally. Mm -hmm. And then when that employee leaves, not all of a sudden magically that title they've been asking for for years automatically is available. That salary increase they've been asking for all of a sudden it's like the, like, there's just an open box that just opened up and all of a sudden there's that money. Whereas had they offered that to the employee beforehand, that employee would have stayed there. They would never even considered looking at other companies. And now you're having someone that's been at the company, you know, five, 10 years of experience walking out the door. And now they need to hire three people to cover that one person's responsibility. So like, those are just some like quick examples that I've seen both from you know, the candidate side where they're like, I keep getting passed up for promotion. I know I just found out I'm being grossly underpaid and I make 50K, $50,000 less than my direct reports. And all these horrible scenarios that I've heard about, but when they get the job, all of a sudden the, the money's there, the title's there, the upward mobility's there, the resources are there. So that's more of a systemic company um, issue that needs to be resolved. So when you have the two, that's like the perfect marriage. Mm -hmm. So now you mentioned something about, you know, companies are able, the companies are, you know, are able to make higher revenues. And I'm probably saying this, I'm not saying it the way that you put it such, you know, eloquently, but, you know, so companies are actually, you know, higher producing. They're, they're actually running better when you have a diverse, you know, leadership team. Correct. Correct. So why why is that? I mean, what what is the what makes up that secret sauce when all of a sudden you have, and you know, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, to me, it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, I can think of a million and, and ten different reasons. You've got ideas that one, you know, but mm -hmm. there's got to be statistics behind that, right? As to and it's always, you know, put the right people on, put, put the person in the right spot on the bus and they will thrive. Yeah. But it, it's like, why, why have we not thought about this? Why is this just happening now for God's sakes? Right? Yeah. I, I do believe there's, there's very multiple variables, but sometimes it's the unconscious bias. And these are things that we've always known, you know, or it's like nobody tries to rock the boat. So, for example, when looking to fill a job position, we think that the person needs to fill in every single thing in that job description. Mm -hmm. They need to be already experienced in that role. So if I'm applying for I'm trying to fill a director role, we're looking for other a person that's already done the director position. And then discounting that manager that's been working in that department or at that company for five, seven years, who already knows the ins and outs, instead of promoting them, we say, well, you don't have that director experience. We're just gonna hire elsewhere. Whereas we could have already given and set up that person for success and move them up. But because sometimes we think black and white, we're looking for a director, therefore we must hire a director position. 
-hmm. And I know in HR, you're probably hearing from hiring managers like, you are asking for the impossible. Mm -hmm. And then the pay doesn't even match up. Where do you want me to find this person? Right. So there are just so many things that it's very black and white that we think director position where I'm coming from that, you know, candidate side saying, don't apply to jobs that you qualify 100% because I already know you're going to feel bored and challenged once you get to know the company. And then you're going to find yourself looking for another job because you're looking to be fulfilled. You're looking to grow and learn. You're looking to acquire new skill sets and you don't want to stay stagnant in your career. So just going into a job posting, just thinking about it, there's just, like I said, so many things that unconscious bias of, well, this person needs to have this previous experience in order to do this job. It's one thing. Two, another conscious bias is, you know, um, maybe, and I'm thinking of a kind of like a woman, um, or she had a two-year break because of maternity leave or mm -hmm. taking care of a loved one. So who cares? She's still able to do the job. Doesn't matter if she took a two-year break or four-year break. Can she do the job successfully? And is there an opportunity for her to grow in that role? Mm -hmm. Because then that becomes a loyal employee. They're, um, they're able to learn. And you also sometimes don't always want someone that's already done it because you want them to be innovative. That mm -hmm. creates for more innovative solutions, allows them to stay within that role in itself. And because of that innovation, that's where the revenue comes from. Maybe they're doing this in a very productive way. Um, maybe they're able to do this in a short amount of time because they're realizing how it impacts them you know, based on the, the role. Like, hey, I used to do this job and I know this pain points. Now as a manager director, let me kind of re get rid of those challenges to make my team work more faster and efficiently because I know that used to be a big obstacle for me. You know, and, and it's, you said loyal employee. So I, I know a company that hired a woman. She was pregnant. They were fully aware she was pregnant. They hired her fully knowing that in six months from then she was going to go on maternity leave. I will tell you that that, that individual was one like, oh, wow, you're going to offer me the job. And, I'm, you know, first of all, that should be the way that it is. You know, mm -hmm. being pregnant is not... It's not an illness. It's not a, it should be a triumph, you know, period of your life. But of course I hated being pregnant. I love the end result, but I, anyways, it should be a great time in a woman's life of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm growing a life in me. But many employers will, if they find out, despite the fact that obviously it's illegal to discriminate for that purpose, just a little caveat in there. If anybody's listening and thinking that I'm, <laughs> um, you know, you hire somebody who's, pregnant, that employee will become an extremely loyal employee. Again, what you were saying, okay, yeah, she took a break. She took a year break, a two year break, a four year break, raising her children. That does not make that person all of the sudden uneducated, incapable of doing the job they did before they took a break to raise their children. And there's so many people out there that are so scared to do that because they're like, oh, I could end in my career if I do this. It's like, really? Like, this is things that drive women's decisions. But what I like about the society that we are now entering into is that we put an emphasis, a huge emphasis now on work-life balance and parental leave. 
And more and more companies are now saying not maternity leave, they're saying parental leave because men are now saying, wait a second, why is only the woman allowed to get an opportunity to enjoy the first couple of months of this beautiful new life? Can't I get a chance to bond with my child? I mean... It just seems like it was it's been so backwards for so long and now we're finally going yeah men are just as important in a in a in a new child's life and I'm sorry I'm bringing up you know this whole pregnancy thing but and women have historically kind of been punished for oh god you're going to take 3 months off to bond with your child oh god you're that's such a horrible thing how dare you do that you know and men are going wait a second I want to do that too mhm it's yeah like yeah yeah go you can do that yeah that's a good idea maybe society will stop punishing the woman for doing it if the man does it and it'll start to balance out and something else that you said promoting from within part of the reason that we have less women in leadership is because and this is again a systemic problem throughout our society is because companies do immediately go externally and because there are more men who have historically been in leadership, more men apply to the position with the said skill level, right? Or said director level experience. And so they continue to put those men back in those instead of promoting the possible woman who has the experience from within, thus not getting that additional training Uh which is why women continue to leave the job that they're at to get more advancement creating thus the problem that we have yeah i had um i had a client where her company got acquired and usually when an acquisition comes whoever the acquisition body or company is they'll put in their new leadership. So they'll put in a new CEO. The CEO brings their own CFO, their CMO, and everyone else. And all of a sudden, she used to have direct access to the CFO. Well, now she's four levels below the CFO, yet she's training every single one of them. That department that she created, Mm -hmm. the processes she embedded into it. And now they're looking to get reacquired or they sold it off to someone else. So then now, so she's been through like three different bosses in the past four years while she's the one that created the department. She went on maternity leave, her responsibilities, she was demoted. Um, and now of course she's looking for a job Right. and she got a job offer and they're asking her, you know, what can we do to keep you? That. Like at this point, it is too late. Right. Um, so there's just so many things that kind of you have to take into account. But I mean, there's multiple reasons. But like you mentioned, even like I have my own business, but even for my husband, I want him, you know, one of the things that dictates where he goes to is, well, we are looking to, you know, build and grow our family. So what are the, um, you know, offerings and benefits that come from it? Because I too, you know, need that partner. Um, and then right now he works for a really great company. So he's like, I am loyal to this company. Mm-hmm. If I can retire here, I would stay here. And those are like the really great companies because of the benefits that they offer the, for the entire family. And now you get more of a loyal, devoted person 
they're looking, I mean, he works extra because he loves and enjoys his company. He's always promoting it. He's always speaking very highly of the company. It's like, these are things that come from it. That's free promotion. That's hard to buy. And all these things stacked up against each other is what creates a very successful company. That's where innovation comes. And I, I was, yeah, that you're exactly right. I was talking to somebody and I can't remember which episode, but there is a really easy way to destroy your company. Treat your employees like crap and they will go out and not only are they going, and I'm not saying they're going out purposely bad mouthing the company, but they're going to have conversations with their friends. They're going to be in social settings when they're going to be, oh yeah, my job sucks. Oh, where do you work? And they're going to say, oh, I work at XYZ company and it's just, oh, the culture is horrible. That one really bad conversation that somebody overhears that can spread like wildfire. Like, I mean, it absolutely, and you can completely stop. I mean, and there's one company in particular that, um, I like it's known in everybody who works in that particular type of industry. Every, none of them will go work there because they know Mm -hmm. that the working conditions are so bad. And I had brought it up. Somebody, you know, in my network had said, oh, if you know anybody who's looking for this type of work. (laughs) And I brought it up because I knew somebody in that type of work. And he goes, oh, God, no, nobody I know will ever go work there. And I was like, oh, my God. So and on the flip side of that, if you want to spend very little on promotion and marketing, become known as the place that treats your employees awesome. That really goes out of your way to offer good benefits, a good vacation package that makes your employees happy. I know a company that has a gourmet chef that makes <laughs> food, you know, on, on the lunch hour, makes fresh food every day for their entire staff. And they, the employees don't pay for it. It's all included. So mm-hmm. every day the employees come out on their lunch hour. The, the gourmet chef is there making fresh food for them for their lunch hour. They have an hour lunch. They go back and then they finish out their day and go home. And everybody raves about, wow, I mean, the work is hard, but wow, I love working here. I'm not going to go anywhere else. I'm not going to get a gourmet meal for lunch every day. And I'm sure that's every recruiter's dream because it makes yeah. it so easy to one, fill those positions with top talent. Right. Whereas at the other company, you would not want to be that recruiter because you're like, you're literally scraping by like, where can I find someone? Because I personally, um, I share with my clients, I actually have a company or a blacklist of companies of not to work for. So when a client would say, Hey, I, I, you think I should work here? I was like, you know what? I do not recommend. And here's why. And I have different cases from past clients who are running away from these companies because of these specific reasons. This company is just not set up for you to succeed. Right. I mean, and obviously being, you know, in the recruiting world, I hear all the horror stories. I play somebody, I place a professional person somewhere, and then they call me six months later and go, oh, my God, um, I need to tell you this. And I, I'm assuming that you didn't know, but you're probably not. I, I need a new job, and you're probably not going to want to place anybody else here. And, it's, and, and then, you know, as somebody who's – putting their reputation on the line as being a premier recruiting firm, you go, oh, uh, yep, I don't care if I burn the bridge with the client because if that's really what's happening at this company, 
I'm not going to place anybody else there because I'm just going to end up placing somebody and having them come back to me six months later and tell me that it's the most volatile place they've ever worked. And that's mm-hmm. not, that is not the reputation that one I want to have, nor that my company that I represent wants to have, right? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, companies need to, one, if they don't know what's happening, they're, they're, I mean, come on. If you have a constant, you know, and I, and I, it drives me crazy when people come to me and say, I have a hiring problem. And then I say, well, how many people have you hired? And they say, oh, 10. And I say, how many have left? Oh, eight. I say, you don't have a hiring problem. You have a retention problem. Mm-hmm. AKA you have a culture problem. Yep. And what is happening now? That's a different strategy Correct. that requires different resources. Cause you, to your point, I mean, you can continue hiring, 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 but if you're not fixing that back end, then what's the point? And it costs, I mean, I forgot what the stat is, but it's like, it could cost up to 40% of an employee's base salary mm. just to fill them. Plus the time you, they need to get on board, which could be three to six months at a time. Whereas you had taken care of that employee, you save so much money. Plus you're able to have the recruiter spend more time in other, you know, new jobs as opposed to refilling that position they just filled a few months ago. Right. Right. And and years ago, I think I mean this was years ago, the cost of training, the cost of onboarding that it, it was anywhere from depending on the, the level of the position, ten to thirty thousand. Uh, you know, in just hiring a new employee to get them onboarded, to get their benefits going, to get their, you know, the work comp, all of that up and running for each employee that they brought on. And then the training period, there was like a range depending on the, that was a statistic years ago. I haven't really kept up on that, but it was like, so you're going to waste like 10 to $30,000 per employee to get them up and running for them to walk out the door six months later. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing that? You're, you're wasting, you might as well go and start a fire in the back (laughs) of your business and just throw money on it, it would do better for you than what you're doing right now. (laughs) Yep. It it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Like, but if you want me to continue to just hire people for you and charge you a fee and then take them back and place them somewhere better. Okay. I I suppose let me just (laughs) let them know that in six months, I'm going to be re you know, placing them somewhere else. But I mean, no, sorry. That's bad joke. (laughs) Okay. We've gone off on a tangent. So, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, your, you have a podcast. Yes, I do. Tell me a little bit about that. It's called Roadmap to the Executive Suite. So I created a podcast with the intent of demystifying what it means to be a woman in an executive role and how to get there. So I felt that a lot of times when I was speaking to clients, they would say, well, I don't know if I want to be the executive suite. I want to be able to spend time with family. I don't want to be always working. And I kind of want to test it out. I, you know, I have some clients that are executives and like, I don't hear that. They're probably, you're just as stressed as they are, but sometimes it might be the job or it's just the wrong company that you're at. Mm-hmm. And so I created the podcast. So I bring in executives. Um, I bring in recruiters, executive recruiters, and really ask them to be transparent and candid. Like, tell me a little bit more. How, what do you recommend? and also helping them move through their career to help them get there if they even want to make it to the executive suite. Because it's not everyone's golden dream, and I totally respect that, but maybe you want to make it all the way to the senior director level or a director position. Well, then the podcast is meant to help you get there 
and really have a really true good understanding. And that way you have the, um, all the information you need to decide how far you want to take your career. Awesome. And, and it's, that's, that's great. I love, um, because you're right. You, people think that the higher love, the higher up they get, the more pressure, the more response. Well, and it is the more responsibilities that you have, but that does not mean that you're sacrificing. It doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice your work-life balance. It just simply means that you need to work for a company that understands what your expectations are of the job. And if they don't mm-hmm. match yours, well, then you just, you're, that's not the right role for you. Exactly. Yeah. Right? I have clients that are the executive suite and they, they tell their boss and whoever their employees between the hours of two to four, I'm with my family, I'm picking up my kids and I'm spending time with them and I'll be back on at between six to eight. And you know, that's how they make up their time and everyone's okay with it. The company's profitable. They're still do, doing really well. And that my client is even more loyal now because their company supports them and they're able to do this and have that flexibility. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's, that's absolutely amazing. You've also been featured, um, in multiple times in Forbes, MSNBC, which was in, this was, you know, I do it when I did your bio, but I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, I'm, I'm wildly impressed. Um, so tell me, you know, when you start working with a company, what is the, the very first thing that you start off with? Making sure what the goal objective is. Like, what is the global objective? Because that, or the scope of work, because that would dictate everything. Kind of to your point. Oh, we have a hiring problem. What is your goal? I'm looking to, you know, move more women into senior leadership roles. Okay, we, that's the goal. Everything else moving forward is going to dictate that. Tell me, what is your leadership and talent pipeline look like? Oh, I don't have one. Okay. How many of your employees right now are in a management level that are women? We don't know. Well, we need to collect that data. You know, who are, how many positions out there do you have open fill positions? And how many of those have you looked into? Can the person right now in that role fill that role? We haven't done that. We just post a job and put it externally and internally. All right. So it's just that goal dictates the entire strategy. And if sometimes they don't have the metrics, well, then let's get those metrics. Mm-hmm. That way we can fully evaluate. And again, the goal is to move more women into senior leadership roles. Let's start internal. Right. Who do we have? And if they don't have that executive presence, but maybe they have the, the expertise, well, we can help them build that executive presence. We can help them and rebrand themselves as leaders because sometimes it's just a little bit of rebranding needed like for example i had an insurance company hire me because their it department they have a lot of people that the average tenure or the the youngest tenure will be 10 years on average most of their employees have been there for 15 20 years oh wow so they like to retain their employees but they kept seeing a gap when it came to director positions and ideally they like to hire from within. Now they are like, we know that some of them can kind of sort of do it, but we don't know if because they don't know how to sell themselves or because they truly don't know how to do it. Can you coach them? And then we can help decipher that. 
all they needed to do was help them sell themselves and rebrand themselves. And this is for the IT department. So they're not salespeople. <laughs> so of course they don't know how to sell themselves. So yeah. I worked with them and helping them rebrand themselves as that leader director position, show them how to truly sell themselves and how to communicate as a director. Now, all of a sudden they were able to fill in a lot of those director positions where very highly qualified people who now know how to sell themselves and portray themselves as leaders. And it was a win-win scenario for both the company and for their employees. And now they started developing and growing that into kind of like their talent pipeline. Mm -hmm. So now they can go in through this training program and now they have a good source of talent where they can say, hey, we have these positions available. We have these people or our employees that are already prepped and ready to go. They just need to be placed. And now they're even increasing their retention. And most of their employees now are even more willing to be loyal to them because they know there's upward mobility for them. Right. That's yeah. awesome. And it, it's obviously, again, I go back to I'm in the recruiting world and the hiring world, and there are definitely certain types of individuals that, you know, I'm a salesperson, I can go into an interview and I could probably sell you on the fact that I would be great in any role even though I have no experience, if I really Ooh. wanted to, <laughs> that's what I do for a living. <laughs> I sell. Um, but then there are people who have an extremely brilliant background, but they can't seem to get a sentence out during an interview because now you've got nerves. They're, they're introverts and you're putting them on the spot. And I'll have clients call me and be like, Oh, Oh, this interview didn't go well. I mean, it was it was horrible. And I'm like, OK, wait, wait, let's back up. I'm like, why didn't it go? Oh, well, he just he or she could they just couldn't, you know, articulate anything. And I'm like, OK. But do you need them to articulate to that? Well, no. OK, so hard skills. Do they have? Yeah, oh, yeah, he's got all of the does this person have to speak to client? No. Okay. So personality wise, total introvert, but that's the job. Well, yeah. Okay. So what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> like, but, and, and that's, and it's true. I mean, there are some people that just that, and there are some jobs. I mean, I remember my first tour through an accounting firm, all CPAs, all tax, all and I'm an extrovert. I walk up to people and I shake hands and and it was the most uncomfortable. <laughs> I, and again, this is, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on them. I am kind of um, my best friend's an accountant. But it was it was one of the most uncomfortable because here I am like ready to be like, hey, hi. Ho, and everybody's just like, yeah, hi. And then just goes back to what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> but that's personality, right? You know, we're mm -hmm. not all we're not all designed to and we can't, we can't be. And I think you brought up a great point because that's something that I always try to take into account because one, I do feel like it's the employee's responsibility to say, "Hey, I know I'm an introvert, don't know how to do this, but I do want to move up the career ladder. I need to start getting better in those soft skills, whether it's presenting myself as a leader or as a director, I need to probably rebrand myself. I need to come across and I need to almost speak at a different frequency because when you interview as a manager, it's very different how you interview as an individual contributor, director, and the C-suite. So there's different frequencies and 
how you present yourself. But it's also the company's responsibility. And I think you mentioned this at the beginning where it was not all managers have management training. (laughs) So we want to be able to say, hey, I want you to be able to sell yourselves because I want you to communicate with us all the great work that you've done, not only so that we can um, promote you and take care of you, but sometimes that can be used for uh, sales, marketing, that could be other assets that could be used. So let's help each other help each other. So I do think that that's a responsibility of both parties. and ideally, like you start to building that strong, robust, high performing talent. And then they don't have to be the best sellers because you're not hiring them to become like the number one salesperson. You know, if they're like in other departments, that doesn't require that. But at least to be able to feel comfortable enough to sell themselves mm-hmm. within the organization and showing them that skill set that allows your company to be even more successful. Yeah. Yeah. And so across the board, and I'm not talking about C-suite, I'm not talking about, but across the board, I think the number is 8%. 8% of people who are promoted within to a mid-level management position have management training. The rest are promoted and are not given management training. Right. That is, that was the number. I'm not sure. Maybe that has gone up over the last year or two because of everything that has transpired. But at the time, um, that I had last looked that up, it was only 8% of the people who were moved into management. Um, and I'm not talking, again, this is not taking into account mm-hmm. C-suite or, um, that number is, I mean, it's, it's painful to even think that you leave the, you, you're basically setting them up to fail. If you're giving mm-hmm. no management training, you're basically, yeah. I mean, no wonder you have so many individuals just kind of like oh yeah okay i'm gonna tell you what to do but i don't know if i'm saying it in the right way or so yeah okay there is a definitely a great need for mentors and coaches and training to go into these organizations and part of it is that there there is a a a lack of time for a lot of organizations especially now we have a huge gap in in employees to go into the open jobs that we have um companies are struggling at every i mean you go into a restaurant and even restaurants don't have the employees half the half the restaurants empty and you're sitting there waiting for 15 minutes to get your table because they don't have the staff so this is happening at every business across the united states well really probably in the world because of what has transpired so it's it's a it's an interesting world but i love that you are working with women and i love that you are working with women of color because those are definitely two areas that are are in need of coaching and in need of i shouldn't say in need of coaching i should say they need to be recognized and People need to, to stop overlooking the fact that women are just as experienced and are just as capable of doing the jobs that anybody else is doing uh, or anybody else is capable of doing. And um, they're bringing higher ROIs. <laughs> and that. So we are, we are coming to time. So I want to ask you the question of the season. Mm-hmm. If you could go back to your younger self and give yourself advice when would you go back and what advice would you give yourself? 
I would probably go give myself advice maybe around 11 or 12 or so. Hmm. And here's the kind of like a philosophy or model that I live by now, but um, I hadn't heard it at, you know, when I was 11 or 12, but it's like, do what others won't to achieve what others can't. So sometimes like, just because it's hard right now, doesn't mean it's not worth it. And sometimes if you want to achieve excellence, you have to put in the work and sometimes it will require giving up some things, but then you will get to achieve something that others just are not even willing to be able to get to because they're not putting willing to put in the work. And why that particular age? I think that that's when I started kind of like, I think like that's the age that I started coming to like, who am I and what should I do? Now, I've always been a straight A student um, and I'm an extrovert. So I would say I've always been like really good with grades, but that's when I started at the time I thought, well, I I wanted to become like an architect or something. Mm -hmm. But I think that's like a prime age where I, like I I almost started being conscious of like my surroundings and what I wanted to be and who I was, where I was trying to find myself. Now I'm more of a thinking of, we don't find ourselves, we we create ourselves. So who do I want to be? Let's create that person. And what do I need to do to create it? But I say that that would be the age and that would be my advice. That's awesome. And wow, you were you were an early. I don't know the rights. You started um, at a at an early age trying to discover yourself, because honestly, I didn't try to discover myself until I was probably in my, I don't know, mid 20s. But to be that driven and and start to become that conscious of of things at that young of an age is is amazing. And you are completely correct. If there are any young, younger adults listening to this, um, what you said is that we don't you said not become ourselves, but create. Yes. Yes. That is that is absolutely um, spot on. Brilliant. Um, I, I truly believe that the world doesn't come to me. I go to it um, and I meet it head on ev- at every corner, um, at every stop. Um, and yeah, that's that's absolutely beautiful. So, Thank well, you. if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that? Um, they can go to my website, ClaudiaTMiller.com or follow me on LinkedIn um, and Instagram, Claudia T. Miller. I post a lot of free career advice in there um, as well as, you know, um, some strategies on how to improve overall, like what systems are set up for within companies that allow women to thrive and move into senior leadership roles, but they can learn and hear more about me through those um, three avenues. (laughs) Excellent. And that'll be also on the show notes. So um, if you didn't catch it here, you're welcome to um, jump onto the show notes and it'll be listed there. So Claudia, thank you so much for the conversation today. I truly enjoyed talking with you. You're a brilliant woman. Um, and I know that you are out there inspiring other brilliant women. Um, you know, so thank you. Thanks for having me, Leanne. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.